So if you're not a fan of uh, the Muppets and Kermit, it's going to be a bad day. So anyway, I'm doing the best I can. <clears throat> so if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17. And uh, I want to give you just a couple of things that are going on here. It's huge. Uh, and uh, as we go into next weekend, especially, there's a lot going on. So we just want to highlight a couple of things. Heather will probably come back at the end and do the same because uh, it's that important. Uh, next weekend, starting uh, Saturday, uh, we're going to be having a membership or partnership breakfast at Sherwood Oaks East. That's at 9 o'clock in the fireside room. There'll be plenty, plenty of signage to help you get in there. If you have any questions whatsoever about any of the three sites, uh, but one of the things that we've tried to kind of do away with is membership. Uh, the phrase, that's what people are used to, because membership's kind of like joining a club, and we're not about joining a club. It's about partnering together. So next week, we're going to have a special invitation. Some of you, that might be on your heart, like, man, I think I'm, I'm wanting to move forward with uh, my commitment on the west side. Man, we would love for you to step up and do that. And so next Saturday is breakfast. Next uh, Sunday, then, is going to be that membership invitation. Uh, I just said membership, partnership invitation. Remember that. And then this is really cool. Right after uh, church next week, between 1 and 4, uh, because we're growing, uh, we're creating spaces for our kids. And so from 1 to 4 uh, next week, if you can hang out, we're going to be redoing some of the rooms. And that's for anyone. If you're visiting here today and you're thinking, man, I don't know, that's kind of bold to ask me as a visitor to come back and work. Well, that's good. We want you to come back and work. We would love for you to come back and get to know us that way. And then on all of your chairs, you should have, right in front of you, has a 21-day calendar. That starts tomorrow. I love this. So if you open that up, uh, 21 straight days starting tomorrow leads you through Palm Sunday. And this will prepare all of us on all the campuses. It prepares your heart for Easter. And and here's why this is so important, Uh, especially in church world. If you're not careful, Easter can become a big event. And uh, you put all this planning into it, and you miss what Easter's all about. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the most important thing we need to do is we need to prepare our hearts for that. So this calendar, we think, will really get your hearts prepared. And you can go online. There's even more information. Uh, for example, as you're praying through, and uh, one of these says pray for the elders, you go online, it gives you all of their names. Uh, so great opportunity for us together at all of our campuses to be united in prayer, okay? Let's pray as we prepare our hearts for today's message. Heavenly Father, it's an honor to be here today to serve you, to serve this amazing place, these amazing people. And Lord, we come more than anything else just to exalt you, to praise you for who you are. And Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for everything you have done for us. May we never take that for granted. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. If you've been with us, or even if you're visiting, (coughs) our theme is going to be walking with Jesus. So in other words, if you were one of those early followers, and you walked with Jesus day after day after day, what would be the lessons that you learned? We've talked about what they learned as far as the miracles of Jesus. We've talked about the prayers of Jesus. What did they learn day in and day out? And today we're going to talk about one of the things that Jesus did with everything he did, And that is, he exalted the Father. Now, what does that mean, to exalt? Well, that word simply means, exalting means, exalting something is to raise it to a higher level of rank, of honor, power, and character. To elevate something 
or someone, to elevate something or someone. I love sports. Uh, you know that. And so I love, love it when a, a team wins a championship and you see them hoist like a huge trophy. You may remember a few years ago when the Colts won and they hoisted that big trophy and then that trophy actually made its way around all over Indiana. We know what it is to hoist up something of high value. We know what it is to hoist up something that represents life. My kids are all excited about uh, this summer, the remake of Lion King. I know none of you could care less, but I think it's going to be kind of cool. And if you remember that classic moment uh, when Mufasa was killed, no, I didn't do that. That's not what I want to talk about. If you remember that classic moment when Mufasa lifted up Simba, do you remember that? And everybody's like, oh, Columbo, whatever they say. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. At that moment, it's like, oh man, he's lifting up. He is lifting up a lot of money. Okay. So we know what it means to lift things up. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus is always lifting and exalting the heavenly father. Listen to some of these verses in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel 22, 47. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock, exalted in power and in his justice and great righteousness. He does not oppress. Job 37, 23. The Almighty is beyond our reach and exalted in power. So my question is, why is it hard for us to consistently exalt the name of God. Well, interesting observation. In Proverbs 23, 6 and 7, has this really uh, interesting look at the heart of man. He said, the begrudging host, the begrudging host, now listen to this, the begrudging host, he is, he's the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat, drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. In other words, he said, can you imagine there's a guy and he has you over for dinner, but he's got, a, he's got an angle. And as you're eating the dinner, his whole idea when he says, eat and drink and be merry, he's actually thinking, you are costing me money. You see he's saying? Man, what a terrible heart, what he's saying. What a prideful heart. Galatians 6.3 says, if anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. I've got a warp sense of humor. You already know that. And so uh, when the week is kind of dragging on, I'll, I just like to look for funny pictures and things like Far Side and things like that. And so I found this, this site, and here's a couple of them. Uh, well, there's your problem. Okay, just check it out. It's kind of funny. Okay, here's the next one. Okay, if you see the car at the top of the barn, okay, not a good day, you know. And the thing that I love about it is the phrase, well, there's your problem, because I, it just means, well, obviously. I'm like, this is so obvious. So here's the obvious answer to the question. Why do we have such a hard time exalting the Heavenly Father? And you know what the obvious answer is? Because we love ourselves. We're always thinking about ourselves. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. If you remember Macintosh, Steve Jobs, and they had these three little innovative ideas. Perhaps you've heard of them. iPod, iPhone, iPad. Anybody heard of those things? Okay. Wow, what a title. What a brainchild. What do we call it? I. Because that's universal. I. We have no problem thinking 
about ourselves. It's interesting that Matt Damon, uh, an interview I heard a few years ago, uh, he said he was over uh, in London, and they were filming one of the movies. Uh, and he said, my wife, and we hadn't been married long, uh, the Bourne movies were huge. And so he says, I'm walking around in the park, feeling pretty full of myself. And he said, there's these, there's these gals in their 20s, about five or six of them. And they said, can we get a picture? And Damon's like, oh, no problem. So he goes over, gets in between and puts his arm. Around, whoa, 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 what are you doing? He's like, do you want a picture with me? We don't even know who you are. And he's like, well, I'm, uh, forget it. You know, I'm, it doesn't matter, you know. And they said, will you take our picture? We just wanted you to take our picture. And so I said, oh, I'd, you know, I'd love to, you know. And he said, as I walked away with my young wife, she's like, you're not that hot. He goes, I guess not. You know, I think <laughs> we all need to be reminded we're not all that. None of us are all that. Uh, we need to keep in mind that our our responsibility is just like Jesus, is to say, I want to start thinking more about God. I want to exalt God in all that I say and do. That's really the big idea. How do we follow the pattern of Jesus exalting our Heavenly Father? And Jesus does this in two memorable ways. I mean, how does he exalt consistently God? Here's the first one. Jesus exalted God with his teaching. <coughs> Turn with me to John 17. And let's start with verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven. I love that. And he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on your earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that every thing you have given me comes from you. You see, as they followed Jesus, every, every opportunity Jesus had, he used it to teach. I mean, everything Jesus did was a teaching opportunity. And everything that he taught was always leading everyone back to lifting their eyes and exalting God. For example, the Lord's Prayer. Would you say the very first part with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Hallow. Holy is your name. Separated. That's what that word holiness means. That you are literally saying, God, I'm separating your name from all names. So he said, before you jump into, God, I need this. God, I have to have this. God, why? Step back and say, wait a second. Let's start by putting God in his rightful place. Every prayer. Let's exalt God. I love that about Jesus in Matthew 5 when you get to the Sermon on the Mount and you read the Beatitudes. Everything about those Beatitudes leads you to one conclusion. If you want to change your heart and you want to change your attitude, it starts with God's your first priority. I mean, this morning, some of you may be struggling with that issue. Is God really, is he really your top priority? 
and even the miracles of Jesus. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but when Lazarus died and people were angry, his disciples confused, uh, Lazarus' family was upset. And you remember what Jesus said in John eleven four. Jesus said that this miracle would be done so that God would receive the glory. When he brought Lazarus back, it wasn't to bring glory to him, it's to bring glory to God. And then here's what I really love about the teachings of Jesus. <coughs> Parables. Jesus would share a parable so he'd take a very complicated spiritual scenario and he would present it to people in a way they could all get it. And don't you love some of the parables that draw people into who God really is? In Matthew 20, there's this amazing parable and it, it just almost angers you if you think of it from, that's not fair. He said there's these workers and there's a huge job and they show up in the morning, they agree to work for a certain amount of wages and everything's great and then at noon... There's more workers that show up, and they receive the exact same wages as the morning workers. Now, you know they're already grumbling. You know that. And then at the 11th hour, another group of workers shows up, and the manager says, I'm going to pay you what I paid everybody else. The union got together and said, no way. Man, that is bad, bad business. You can't do that. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. You agreed in the morning, and you felt great about what I paid you. That was more than fair. Why are you so upset about the person at the 11th hour? And you can just see him talking to one another. What is Jesus doing? He said, I want you to see the manager is my father. I want you to see no matter how far you've run from God, at the 11th hour, he's there to say, come on home. At the 11th hour. I guarantee some of you right now, those are your prayers. Somebody you love, there's a family member or there's a friend and they're approaching the 11th hour and you're like, God, I'm begging you. Is it too late? Never, never, never is it too late. Folks, I've been at the bedside more than you know with folks and I've had 11th hour prayers. I've had people at the very end of their life and I'm telling you, God's always just listening and waiting and loving because that's the kind of heavenly father that we exalt up. And then you get to Luke 15. Oh, man, those parables are the best. Rapid fire. Jesus is talking about the lost coin and the lost sheep. And then it goes right into the crescendo. Anybody remember that one? It gets to the prodigal son. Don't you love that? This, this, all of us have been there. We, he's got this kid. He's like, oh, man, he's an idiot. He spends all the money and the brother's mad. And you're, you're mad reading it. And, and every preacher will tell you this. You read that and you got to land on, are you the older brother? Are you the prodigal? I mean, we all have wrestled with that. And the prodigal comes home. And don't you love that there's a loving father with his arms open wide saying what? Come on home. No. you got a loving father doing what? Running to the son. And Jesus is saying, listen, he is a father worthy of being lifted up and exalted because he loves you even at the 11th hour. And he's saying it's never too late. And he's saying he, he loves you so much, he's not just waiting for you to come home. He's running to you. You can run from him, but he's not going to run from you. Are you running this morning? Some of you, are you just running from God? Because you've got a heavenly father. And Jesus said, man, lift him up because he is there for you. 
And then ultimately, I love the lesson in John 17, the darkest hour of Jesus' life, John 17, 1. On the cross, Jesus said, Our, My heavenly Father, I will glorify you. May glory come to you on this cross. Think about that. What do you think the lesson that everyone learned from that in all things that we do? Exalt God. If you get a chance, <coughs> I would challenge you to get home today and Google this name. His name is George Bueller. Uh, George Bueller is an amazing prayer warrior in the 1800s. And when Mueller would surrender to God through prayer, he begged God, and his biggest prayer was always that God would help to start orphanages. And uh, Mueller, they said, if you put it in today's money, we're talking millions and millions of dollars came in that people cannot explain. Now, they said when Mueller would come into town and go on a street corner and start praying, bankers got really nervous because God just did amazing things through Mueller and his prayers. And this is what he said. Would you listen to these words? In the greatest difficulties, in the heaviest trials, in the deepest poverty, and necessities, he has never failed me. But because I was enabled by his grace to trust him, he has always appeared for my help. And I love this. I delight in speaking well of his name. Now, I'm going to sound like a, a parent for just a second. That's okay. But the Ten Commandments, when it says, boy, I tell you, my mom used to, she would tear me a new one on this one is you don't use God's name in vain. And I'm like, I'm like God, Mom, I've never used GD. I've never said that. She goes, oh, but you have flippantly said, oh, God, and this and that. And that's using his name in vain. Do you remember that scene in The Last Crusade with Indiana Jones? I love that scene where he throws God's name out in vain and he slaps him, thou shalt not use God's name in vain. Here's the deal. His name is to be lifted up. His name is to be revered. We don't just loosely, like loose chains throw around God's name. Jesus taught them this in everything he did. He said, this name, this name is worthy of being exalted. But you know what else Jesus did? He exalted God for his team. I mean, look at, start down in verse 8. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but those who have given for me yours. All I have is yours, and all I have is mine, and the glory has come to me. I love this. Through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Father. Protect them with the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be as we are one. Man, Jesus loves his team. There's a book I would love all of you to check out sometime, and it's tw called 12 Ordinary Men by John MacArthur. And John MacArthur just does a detailed character study on each one of the disciples. And when you read that, you'll feel better about yourself. You really will. Because when you look at these guys, nobody would have selected them other than Jesus. I mean, you talk about a ragtag team. Jesus didn't go in the synagogue and say, I'm looking for the sharpest, most intelligent. I'm looking for some high test scores. He didn't do that at all. He didn't go across the street 
and meet with the Roman council and say, hey, listen, I'd like them to be Jewish, but if they're just so-and-so, that's okay, but I need some political connection. He didn't do that at all. Jesus didn't even take resumes. He was intentional. <clears throat> and look who he recruited. Oh, my land. You talk about a band of outfitters. I mean, look at these guys. Have you ever thought about what that would have been traveling with the disciples collectively and the personalities? You remember James and John? Great group of guys there, huh? Do you remember when there was some conflict and uh, Jesus said, uh, hey, what should I do with this city? Do you remember what their response was? Burn it down. Well, that's not a real Jesus kind of thing to say. And you know, Peter in the background thinking, what a stupid thing to say. But that's the right answer. You know, they're battling back and forth. And then collectively, think about this, collectively, when they get together, they're like, you know what? We got to give all our money to the person we trust the most. Yeah, let's give that to Judas. So they hand it all. Okay, think about that. They're just not that sharp, even collectively. Why did he lean into them? Because he knew as they grow, they're going to be willing to die for me. They're willing to give everything for me. And Jesus calls us to have that same spirit. And all the time, he's building up this team. And he loves that team. And here's something that's interesting. The more I read this, uh, I want, want to know if you agree or disagree. Would you agree with me that Jesus was with God from the very beginning? I think he was. Okay. And do you think Jesus, being the nature of God, knew the future? Anybody? I think he did. Okay. So Jesus knew the future. You know what he knew? He knew how these guys were going to die. Do you know how he died? Just give me a couple examples. Thomas was pierced with a sword, I think somewhere in Syria, and actually made his way over to India. Matthew was stabbed to death in Ethiopia, they feel. James was clubbed to death. Peter was crucified upside down. And then John, who lived, they think, to be in his early 90s, died of natural causes but he was also boiled in hot oil and he was thrown to an island. When you look at that, you think, how could Jesus pray for their protection when he knew they were going to die terrible deaths? He's not praying for physical protection. He's saying, Lord, help their spirit, protect them with your spirit so that the moment, just when I cry out to you from the cross, I surrender to you, that when they are facing death, they'll cry out and say, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, protect them with that spirit. It's the same spirit he wants us to have. He loves his team. And I got to be honest, I'm very selfish. I love my team. I love what's going on here. I absolutely, when I think four years ago, uh, when we started this whole crazy thing, I'm like, oh my land, this is nuts. I mean, Seriously, and I've watched so many people roll up their sleeve. I look at Steve Connor, pinch hit. Matt, can you give Steve a huge hand for preaching last week? And my preacher uh, Tim's been coming up, Mike leading worship. And I think of all the people still, not just tearing down and setting up, but just all the stuff that goes on that, that just helps this place move forward. And if you're visiting this morning, I got to tell you, I, I'm being very prejudiced here. This is a special place. It's a special place because I see this kind of spirit. And I read this, I see Jesus saying, man, I love my team so much, Lord. And you've got to remember, Jesus, Jesus is headed to the cross. He knows that, and yet he's praying for his team. 
He loves them so much. It wasn't long ago I heard Sheila Walsh, and she was teaching about growing up and memories from her family, her mom and her grandparents, and they raised sheep. And she said, uh, there's one thing that I love to ha- help my parents and grandparents with, and I didn't even know this existed. I know some of you are going to think, it's obvious you were not in 4-H. So here, I did not know that there was what they call a bummer lamb. Did anybody know what a bummer lamb is? Oh, good. I'm going to tell you about it. Good. So I'm going to tell you about the bummer lamb. Maybe that's where they got the phrase, oh, man, that's a bummer. Maybe not. Okay, so here's the bummer lamb, and this is really cool, is there are times that a you um, is just hit a point where they don't have enough milk for all the lambs, and so they have to reject one of the lambs, and that's called the bummer lamb. Now, there's only one way that that lamb will survive, and that is the shepherd or the shepherd's family can take that lamb and provide the milk, and then this is a big one, and hold that so close that that lamb can hear your heartbeat. And then here's the neatest scene. When the lamb is healthy, he then can take the lamb back to the flock, and that lamb will blend right in, and he's accepted. I'm like, what an amazing picture. But here's the coolest thing above that. The shepherd then, at any general day in the morning when he wakes up and he walks out and he says, sheep, sheep, sheep. And Sheila Walsh says, I remember this. Do you know who the first lambs to run to the shepherd? The bummer lambs. They hear that voice like, oh, yeah, yeah. You rejected me, thank you. You know, they run right. They run right to the shepherd. I don't know if you've ever felt like a bummer lamb. But I tell you what, I know those disciples did. Can you imagine following Jesus? Imagine when Jesus taught in the synagogue and everybody is just blown away. And then people are looking at his followers and they're saying, would you explain that? And they're like, don't have a clue. I, I, I don't know. And Jesus, you know, brought somebody back from the dead and the miracles. They're like, how do he do that? And they're like, hey, I don't, I'm a good, I fish well. You know, they... They have nothing to offer. Imagine how insecure they were. And at times they felt insignificant. But you know what? They knew, they knew, I'm going to follow him one more day. The next morning, I'm going to follow him one more day. And they just kept following him. That's all he wants us to do. And some of you right now, I guarantee you, that's exactly how you felt at times in your life. Like, man, I, I, don't, I don't find God. I don't see God. I don't experience God. And I'm not saying you're a bummer lamb. I'm saying we're all bummer lambs. We all have these times. And here's what I love. God is reaching out saying, whoa, 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 come here. Because he's the good shepherd. He wants to hold us close. In fact, it's interesting as I'm reading this. This comes out of John 17. The apostle John. I want you to think about this. Uh, If you remember at the last supper, it says he put his head He put his head on the chest of Jesus. John's the last person on earth who heard the heartbeat of Jesus. Jesus knows something about loving the bummer lamb, and so does John. Listen, folks, we need Jesus just like that. He's reaching out. He's saying, man, I don't want you to feel like there's not a place for you. I don't want you to feel like you have no place to run to. You can come to me, and I'm right here for you. 
That's why Jesus exalted God, because God provides hope. I hope for you this morning, you know that, that you're loved. In just a moment, we're going to break bread together. We have four tables set up all over the room if you're visiting. If for any reason it's hard, you raise your hand. We'll bring communion to you. But I thought a lot about glory, glorifying God, exalting God, and what that means. And when you break bread and you drink that juice, that's exactly what you're doing. You're exalting God. Communion is never about us. Communion is all about giving us up. Philippians 4.20, I love this. To our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Would you say that with me? To our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Life is crazy busy with so many distractions. I got to tell you this one thing. When you come to the table, just breathe deep and move that out. And lift up your thoughts to God. When you break the bread, when you drink the juice, you just think about him. You don't think about tomorrow. Don't even think about lunch. I know that's right now. It's your thing about lunch. You just think about God. You just lift him up. Because he loves you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Through our insecurities and through our brokenness, you're just there to reach out to us. And Lord, it's unreal to think that you want to hold us so close that we can hear your heartbeat. We can't even imagine that you love us that much, but you did. And you do every day. And so, Lord, as we break the bread, as we drink the juice, we remember all that you have done for us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.